Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 2, please. We're going to pick it up where we left off. Studying through the book of 1 Timothy as Paul was teaching Timothy about church, about ministry, about life, about uh, how to uh, be effective in, in uh, serving the Lord. And, and uh, it's an incredible book. I'm having a great time. I'm kind of... Uh, just enjoying going through this verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We started off last week, chapter 2, speaking about prayer, and we asked the question, is God listening to us? And I think it's so clear that, yes, He is, and He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our voice. He recognizes our voice. And we talked the week before that about Him about us recognizing his voice. And as, as we listen, we need to take time to listen. But, but he also wants to hear from us. He wants us to pray. And he, he says it's good. He says that there in verse 3. He said, this is good. And it pleases God our Savior. It's a good thing that, that uh, when we pray, and, and it, not only that, not only is it good and he enjoys it, it pleases him. I think it brings a smile to his face when he, we have this communication. But it, but it changes things and it affects things in this world. Prayer is powerful. Don't let anybody tell you different. Don't let the enemy tell you anything different that God works through prayer. I heard about it this morning. Somebody said, you know, that this was happening and the spouse walked by and says, yes, because I was praying. And something incredible happened. God just answers prayer. It's an incredible thing. So uh, in verse 4, it says, who, who, that is God, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And, and this is one of the things that we pray for, that we pray for people, that they would come to a knowledge of the truth. And I hope... I hope you have one or two or more people that you pray for on a regular basis that don't, that don't have that knowledge of the truth, that don't know Jesus, and pray for them that God would open their eyes, open their ears, that God would pour out His grace upon them, that His Holy Spirit would bring them understanding and conviction, and, and the, the different things that we can pray for people. Just pick one or two. You don't have to pray for the whole world. Well, you can. But I don't know how effective that, that effective that is anyways. Well, God, I just pray that you would just have saved the whole world. I think he wants us to be a little more specific than that. I, I think so. So maybe you're thinking of somebody now, maybe you're going to pray for me that I would <laughs> come to understand the truth. I need prayer. I definitely need prayer. I've talked about that many, many times. So he talks about this here about being saved that God wants all people to be saved, so we're praying in accordance with His will. Does that mean that everybody will be saved? No, because there's still the free will of man that's involved. There's the sovereignty of God and the power of God, but there's still the free will of man. So moving on from verse 4 into verse 5, there's a, a connection here where He gives us now the avenue or the means or the way that people will be saved. And that's what he says here in verse 5. He says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. 
I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. You know, this whole concept here about the fact that there's only one way. He talks about God wants people to be saved, and, and, and he wants all people to be saved, and so he provided the way for all people to be saved. He didn't say, he didn't say well, you just see what you can do, see if you can make it, see if you can get there. You know, he says, I, I have a heart that people would have a relationship with me and be saved. And not only that, but I'm going I'm to give them the way for that to happen. Now you think, well, that sounds good and everything, but it, it create, this creates some problems because, as we'll see, and as we just read here, Josh McDowell says this. He says, suppose a group of us were taking a hike in a very dense forest. He says, we get deeper into the forest, we become lost. And realize that, realizing that taking the wrong path might mean we'll lose, we'll lose our lives, we begin to get afraid. And he says, however, we soon notice up ahead that there are two people. Two human forms at the fork in the road. And so we run up to these people. And we notice that one has on a park ranger uniform. And he's standing there perfectly healthy and alive. While the other person is lying face down, dead. Now which of these two are we going to ask about the way out? Interesting. Which one are you going to ask? Which one would you ask? The ranger, you see, he appears to know about forests. He's still alive. He's still looking good. The other guy is not going to help you much. Well, Jesus is the only one still alive. Of all the different ways, he is called in the Bible, he's called the living way. And it says here in our verse 5, it says that there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man. There's only one mediator, only one way. There's not many gods. There's not many ways. There's only one God. And, and God has given us one way. That's all He's given to us. He hasn't given us a bunch of different ways. The, the definition of mediator is someone who steps in between two persons to make or restore peace. And only Jesus can possibly fulfill that role between us and God. When you think about who Jesus is, and this is why he is so unique, that he was fully God, but he was fully man. And, and, and it says here that he was man, the one man, the man Christ Jesus. He was fully God and he was fully man, so he is uniquely qualified to be the mediator between God and man because he was fully God and also fully man, you see. No one else can make that claim. No one else can do it. They can say, well, let me show you the way or whatever, but... But he's the only one that really knows the way. And as we'll see, that he is the way. You know, there's this thing about uh, a, a different kinds of mediators, you know, angels. And, and you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the angels. I'm going to talk to this angel, that angel. And they will go between me and God. And they will help me make that bridge, that, that gap. That's kind of big. But what about saints? And when I talk about saints in this respect, I'm talking about saints that are dead. Well, I'm going to pray to the saints and I'm going to ask them and they're going to help me. They're going to help bridge this gap. They're going to help me get to God. They're going to help make this happen. 
How many mediators does he say that, that we have here? Or the priest, or the pastor, or even Mary. Now Mary was a, a wonderful person, and, and God put his hand upon her, but nowhere does it say that, that Mary is going to be a mediator. Nowhere does it say that a priest is going to be a mediator, that you need to go to the priest to get to God. Nowhere does it say that. It says, we're, we just read it here, that there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. There's no other mediator. Only one. Only one is able. Now, in today's society, well, you know, there, there are words like tolerance. Tolerance is very important. Right? We need to be tolerant. And we need to be politically correct. That's important too, right? And, you know, it's a pluralistic society, so we kind of like need to embrace everything. And so that's why I said it gets to be a problem when we, when we really look at what Jesus said and what, what we're talking about here. This is a problem for the society around us. They're going to call you narrow-minded. They're going to call you bigoted. They're going to call you snobbish. All kinds of things. But, but the issue here is that Jesus said it. The Word of God tells us this. And so if we have a problem with it, who should we take it up with? You know, don't shoot the messenger. Go to the one who said it. Go to the, mess, the one who gave the message, and that's Jesus. That's the, that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As they said, he, he, he gave us one way. He gave us one answer. We're going to look at a couple other passages that, that, uh, that back this up. Let's turn first to John chapter 14, verse 6. And you all know these verses, but uh, we're going to look at them anyways because we need to know this. The first order of business in 1 Timothy was what? I'm going to ask you this every week. False teaching, right. And then he got to prayer and, and, and really false teaching about who Jesus was and what he came to do and how do we, how do we get there. And, and, and it's said there that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And now he says that, that this is how he saves sinners, by being the mediator. Look at John chapter 14, verse 6. Actually, so let's start in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, he said, and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we have to ask the question, because we didn't read the first verses, the way to go where? To heaven, right. Not only to heaven, but the way to the Father, the way to have a relationship with God. To, for eternal life, he says, he says, we don't know the way. What are you talking about? Jesus is saying, trust me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to get it ready for you. And they said, we, you know, we don't, like, what are you talking about? The way. We don't know the way. How are we going to get there? You can get there, okay, because we know you're special, but, but us. And Jesus said, listen, you're going to have to trust me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the Father, he says, 
except through me. Now, is that clear? Is that a clear statement? I think it's a very clear statement. I, I, I did a little reading from, you know, somebody who had another perspective, and they, and they started twisting this around to make it, like, unclear. But it's so clear. Like, how can you, how can you come up with some other kind of picture on this? Well, it's because you have, you know, you have your own preconceived idea already, and so you're going to then put that onto what it says there, Right? But there's only one way. He said, I am the way. There's no other way to get to the Father. But you're thinking, or maybe you're thinking, or you've heard people say, aren't there many ways to God? Aren't there many ways to God? Well, not according to the Bible, not according to what the Scripture teaches. David Guzik said, most people think that any road leads to God if followed sincerely. You know, if you think that, you know... Playing dominoes is going to get you to God, and you believe it sincerely, well, then that, I guess that's going to get you to God, right? You know, it, it, it doesn't even make sense, and especially if we want to look at what God's Word says. If followed sincerely, if I sincerely think that, that I just do this or do that, that's going to get me to God, but, but God tells us specifically this is the way this is the way I provided and this is my son I, it's almost when if you if you think about it from God's perspective he provided his son his son came and his son was was brutally beaten he gave his life willingly, and that's what it said back there. He gave himself as a ransom. He gave himself willingly. The father gave his son, and if you have children, you know, to give your son to, to go through something like that. And then for us to say, well, no, I, that's, you know, that's not good enough. I'd really prefer to go over this way over here and, and try to find some other avenue because, because that's just too narrow-minded for me. Can you imagine how the father must feel? I gave you my son. What more do you want? How, you know, how much more can I do for you? The uh, apologist and teacher, Lee Strobel, he, he wrote this. He said, Jesus often surprised people with teachings that cut across the grain of human nature. He said, his most politically incorrect claim of all, John 14, 6. His most politically incorrect statement of all, John 14, 6. People don't want to hear it. They don't like it. They don't want to, to think that, you know, you're not the boss of me. You can't tell me which way I should go, which way I should, uh, you know, get to heaven. I, you know, I've got a pretty good thing here. I light my incense. I have my candles, my scented candles. And I can, you know, I can just meditate. I can just, I'll get there. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Because when you really look at what Jesus has to say, what, what the Bible has to say about, about this subject, it's so very, very clear. And so you have to look at, and especially like this statement of Jesus, now, C.S. Lewis has a whole, you know, uh, writing about this. He talks about Jesus was either a liar or he was a lunatic 
or he was really who he said he was. He was lying. He knew that he wasn't really anything special. He knew that he wasn't really the way to God, the Father. And so he was just lying so he could get people to follow him. And, you know, false teachers, you know, uh, many times, and and it talks about that, that they, they want people to follow after them so they'll say all kinds of stuff. Now, in some cases, I think they're just totally deluded. But in some cases, I think they are, they are knowingly saying things that are not true to get people to follow them. They're lying. They're just flat out lying. It was in the news recently about, uh, and I don't know about statements that this person made, but they wanted, you know, they, they needed to raise like $90 million so they could get a brand new jet or something like that. You see that in the news recently? Well, listen, I only want $3 million. I'm going to get a used one, okay? Is that okay? I'll just get a used one. <laughs> you know, I could tell you all kinds of stuff, but the, the, the job is, is really to point to Jesus. Now, Jesus, was he lying about what he said here? Was he lying about all the other things that he uh, said to us? Or was he just insane? Was he just a lunatic? You know... I spent some time uh, in a psychiatric place, not for myself, <laughs> but I spent some time helping, because it's a ministry. You can really help people. You can. And I, I, you know, maybe God might put that on your heart to take it up. And if you went to a place like that and said, listen, I'd just like to come in and, and just, and just uh, be a friend to people, they'd say, okay. Most places would say, yeah, please come. We need people like you to come. And so Paul and I were going into a place in San Diego, and, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty eye-opening in there. But there were at least one, if not more, people there who thought they were Jesus Christ. They would say, I'm Jesus Christ. So was Jesus just some kind of lunatic, thinking that he was something that he was not? Or was he telling the truth? And was he really the Lord that, that said that he was the way, the truth, and the life? We've got to grapple with this. You see, this is what people have to grapple with and decide. You know, uh, is he really who he said he was? One person said this. He said, the question is not whether or not this is a narrow-minded position, but whether or not the claims are true. Is it true what he said? If it's true, then we better get on board. We better get with it. How do we know it's true? I think, I think it, get back, it gets back to the basics of, of our Christian faith, is that he backed it up by his life, he backed it up by his death, and by, and by his resurrection. There, there is no one that, that lived like he did. There's no one that died like he did. And there's no one that rose from the dead like he did. There, there no, there's no one that, that has that that they can claim. Turn with me to the book of Acts. Turn ahead to Acts chapter 4. Peter got the, Peter got the idea. Peter was preaching this. In fact, it says in verse uh, 8 of chapter 4 of Acts that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to preach. 
But look what it says in verse 12. He said, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. There's no Buddha, no Muhammad. There's no other name by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Call it narrow-minded, but if that's the truth, then we better get on board with it, right? That's what I think. Look back to verse 10 there. Peter, he says this, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, he says it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone or the cornerstone. The death and the resurrection of Jesus. He stands apart. He stands unique. There's no one like him. No one else has ever done what he has done. Another claim, let's turn back again to the Gospel of John chapter 10. There aren't it's not just John chapter 14, but look at John chapter 10 in verse 7 through 9. Therefore Jesus said again, he said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. All who ever came before him were thieves and robbers. He says he was the gate and whoever enters through him will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. How about this statement? All religions are basically the same. That's what some people say. Well, they're all, they're all the same. They're all just kind of doing the same thing in a little different way. Not true. Not true at all. Every other religion... Every other religion is based on man's effort to reach God. Christianity is different. Christianity, God reached down to man, you see. I like what uh, Lee Strobel said about this. He said, uh, but Jesus Christ is God reaching out to us. He said, other religions are spelled D-O. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. See, Jesus did it for us. He died. He was Resurrected from the dead. He did it. So many, so many, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a system of works and it's a, a balancing act. Well, if we do more good than bad, we're going to get there. But is that what Jesus said? No, he said, it's finished. He said, he, he had done it. All we need to do is trust in him, believe in him. So, so the bottom line is really this, that we're sick, you know, and the Father sent the cure. If you're really sick from something and, and there's only one medicine that will make you better, 
And the doctor says, if you take this medicine, you will be okay. You say, well, I don't know. I, you know, don't you have anything else? Isn't there some other kind of medication? No, this medication, it's, it, it's not, it's not going to hurt you. You take this medication. I've already prepared it. It's all prepared. Yeah, but, but I would like to help out a little bit. Can't I just, you know, mix it up a little bit? Can't I just put my name on it? No, he says. Well, I'll, let me think about it for a while. That's what we do. That's what the world does. Let me think about it for a little while. Let me argue about it. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. He says there that he gave himself. The Father sent his Son, but Jesus also gave himself. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. He gave himself as a ransom, the ransom, the price paid for release from free, for freedom. He paid the price for us, you see. There's, there's so much in that. I mean, and, and, you know, you can, you can uh, it, it's so deep, really, the fact that he, that he paid the price, but he, but he also took our place. He gave his life so that we could have life. You know, there, there, and I've seen this, you know, that, that so many times we, we, we look at some of these different things and we focus on one little part of it. But it's really so multifaceted when we think about all that it means for what Jesus did to us. He did for us. Christ paid the ransom price of his own life to free us from the slavery or the bondage or the captivity of sin, someone wrote. Jesus, the Son of Man, Matthew 20, 28. So he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So there's one God, there's one mediator, there's one ransom. Two more passages I want to look at before we close. Matthew chapter 7. Again, Jesus speaking. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. It's not a wide, it's not a wide path. It's not, it's not a whole bunch of paths. He says there's one path, one gate, one way. And it comes through him, it comes through Jesus. That's the road, that's the path, that's the gate. So many others, he says, the, the, the broad is the road that leads to destruction. And, and, and just because a lot of people are going that direction, does that make it the right way? No, the path just gets wider when there's a whole bunch of people on it. I, a friend of mine said one time, 
but that doesn't make it the right road. Paul in, in, in 1 Timothy 2, again, uh, you don't need to turn back there. He said this, he said, for this purpose, he says, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. Paul's heart was that, that people would know that Jesus was the mediator, that people would know that Jesus was the one way, that he was the truth and the life. But, but even more than that, Paul, he called himself a, a preacher and, a, and an apostle and a teacher. And, and there's something about this that Paul knew what he was supposed to do. He knew what his part in that was. You see, he knew his calling. And, I, and I, as we study through the book of 1 Timothy, I think, I think we should be asking ourselves, what is my part in this? And, and what is my, how, how am I going to play a part in this and letting the people around me know about this man who's called Jesus Christ? You, know, you say, well, no, that's for the preacher. That's for you know, Billy Graham or Greg Laurie or some evangelist or some. No, you know, God... God wants to use you and me to let people know that there's a way. There's a way to, to heaven, and, and, and his name is Jesus. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, we must give ourselves to God to be a part of his worldwide program to reach people. We must give ourselves to God to be a part of the worldwide program that God has to reach people. The last passage I want to look at, John chapter 6. If you'll turn there with me, please, and we'll close with that. John chapter 6, in verse 60. Jesus had been teaching about <clears throat> his body and his blood. And he talked to them in terms like, you know, you need to partake of my body and my blood. And they, you know, they didn't quite know how to understand that, quite know how to deal with that. And, and he wasn't talking about literally eating flesh and blood. He was talking about partaking in the cross. But look at verse 60. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? That the, that the cross is the way. And I think people are still saying that today. This is a hard teaching that Jesus is the only way. Who can accept that? You, don't you know we live in an, an enlightened society now, and, and we are way beyond that. Well, for us to go beyond what Jesus said, that's, that's suicide that's, is what that is. So aware, verse 61, that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Are people offended by the cross, by Jesus' claims? He says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. 
verse 66, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. John 6, 6, 6. Take note of that. They turned back. They no longer followed him because they didn't want to go the way of the cross. They didn't want to accept that Jesus was, was who he said he was. But I love what comes in the next two verses because the next three verses because it, it really is the answer for you and for me. Verse 67, he says, You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? Where will you go? If you leave Jesus as the one true way, the only way, the way, the truth, and the life, and you leave and you put that aside and you go out to try to find another way, where will you go? What who is going to who's going to have the words of eternal life? Once you truly know this, I, I don't see how you can go looking somewhere else. You have the words of eternal life, and we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God, the answer, the one. There is no other way. There's no one else. There's no other Savior. There's no other Messiah. There's no other, you know, spirit guide that's going to take you somewhere, take you to heaven. No, no. There's only one way. I'll close with a quote from A.W. Tozer. He said, Christ is not one of many ways to approach God, nor is he the best of several ways. He is the only way. He's the only way. We need to know that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your son Jesus. And forgive us for our stubbornness. Forgive us for our... Uh, human pride that we're not willing to accept what you have offered to us because we think we know better. We as humans in our own flesh want to come up with all kinds of stuff and, and, and yet you have said this is the way I provided. I've given you my son. Father, forgive us. Forgive our nation. Forgive the human race, Lord, for trying to find other ways, manufacturing avenues, paths, roads that lead nowhere. There's only one path that leads to you, and that's your son, Jesus. Father, I pray that you give us opportunities in this week even to, to let someone know that Jesus came, that he gave his life, that he's the way to heaven. That he rose from the dead. It's the only hope that we have. Father, I pray if there's any here this morning that, that, that have never received Jesus as the answer for, for life and for death and for heaven and the future. And maybe you're here this morning and, you, and you've never said yes to Jesus. Today's a good day to open your heart and simply say these words. Say, Jesus, I, I come to you and and I'm lost, and, and I am a sinner, and I, 
And I come to you as the Savior of the world and I ask you into my heart and into my life to be my Savior. Father, again, we thank you for sending your Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, please. Jesus, Messiah, name above all names.